guess that's as good a place as any uh, today. Uh, so uh, today's lesson is about leaving a legacy, and we're in Second Chronicles still. This is the last uh, session in the series we've been doing on living a godly life in an ungodly world. And uh, leaving a legacy is something I think all of us think a little bit about. I seem to think more about it as I age. <laughs> Uh, and as uh, I also have a child that's uh, nearing the age where she'll be leaving the house, you know, I start to worry about what is she going to go out into the world with? Uh, and then we start thinking about our own sort of reality that none of us get out of here alive. And uh, we want to think about what will people say about us when we're gone? Uh, and what work are we doing now that will carry on and, and literally live in eternity? And it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, but today, maybe we'll start with a little little story. Um, so, who who likes the song we sang this morning? The the glory, glory. We have you know so, you know the song. So it's by Austin Stone. Uh, and it's, yeah. So everybody familiar with that song? You sang it twice if you were in first worship this morning. Jesus um, is better. Jesus is better, right? Yeah. Glory, glory. We have no other king. Yeah. And the whole Jesus is better thing. There's a particular line in there where it talks about uh, living his life under heaven's shadow, uh, beneath heaven's shadow. And I started thinking about uh, that a little bit today. And you know, most of the songs that we're singing, most of the worshipy songs, most of them are scripture. And uh, this one is as well. It comes from Psalm 91. Uh, and it's a very interesting uh, passage. Uh, will someone look up Psalm 91, one, just one verse? Kind of an interesting thing. Somebody read that for us. Here comes the yeah. Here comes the tenth grade crew. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah. So really short, simple passage. Uh, talks about resting in the shadow of the Almighty. Um, this is this is from David, right? This is the same David that penned the words as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Now he's not talking about a shadow of death. He's talking about the shadow of the Almighty. We think about those people that are beneath our shadow, right? Those kids I was just talking about, they're sort of living a little bit beneath my shadow, a little bit beneath my protection. Uh, us now uh, living underneath the shadow of God. Um, this idea of living in a shadow, it's an interesting thing. And it applies to not just us, but I think all living things sort of enjoy catching a break every now and then living underneath the shadow. So does anybody know where the farmer's field is? It's kind of a cow pasture at the corner. Well, and this is going to confuse you, but it's at the corner of 54 and 54, um, which you can't say in a lot of places. right? But here you can say it's where, you know, East 54 and West 54, they come together and meet 54. Um, there's, there's a field there. And it's full of cattle. Uh, and one of the, there's a couple of uh, unique features there. There are about four trees on the property, uh, and there's one longhorn bull. So if you ever see a longhorn, you know, Texas longhorn bull in Baldwin County, you've probably found the place I'm talking about. But if you go by there in the morning or the afternoon, anytime except for high noon, the cows are all in about two, two or three places. You know where they're at? They're in those few trees. And they'll line up. Like in the morning sun is coming up, they'll stand behind that tree, one behind another, behind another, just trying to enjoy a little bit of shade. It's really, really interesting. And then as the afternoon, they just sort of pivot around those trees. And I'm guessing when it's hot, they do all of their eating at night. They must, because all they do all day is fight for the shade around those few trees. 
And it's a very interesting thing to me when I drive, when I drive by there. Uh, and that's how I think we are, we are supposed to be uh, under the shadow of the Almighty, is constantly just living underneath his shadow and in his direction. And so next time you pass some cows and you're wondering, why are they all huddled around that tree? Let it be a reminder to you that you're supposed to be huddled around God and, and enjoying a break under his, under his wing as well. So the point of our lesson today uh, is that uh, godly living does impact a future generation. Um, and I just have a question for you. Do you really believe that? Uh, are you living in such a way uh, that you believe that what you're doing here today impacts generations that will follow you? Sometimes. So we often think about, there are, there are a lot of verses that talk about God cursing people to generation after generation. There are also passages of God blessing uh, families, generation upon generation. This is a reminder that what we do today impacts the generations that come behind us, and maybe not just our own kids. What we do today may be impacting future grandkids or generations that we can't even really think about at this point. Um, and the passage we're going to read today is in Second Chronicles. It's in chapter 17. Uh, and just to kind of ground us on where we are, uh, King Asa, we talked about last week, he's dead, right? And Asa has a son, though, that will take over the throne. Does anybody know who he is? <coughs> Jehoshaphat, right? Uh, so Jehoshaphat is his son, and he's going to take over. Uh, and we know when Asa died that he died on kind of a bad note, Right? Uh, but what was really interesting is when he passed, the people uh, still came out and honored him as a good king. Right? They came out, they had feasts in his name, they had a celebration. Uh, they knew that he had had a life of, of good service uh, under, the, under the Lord. In the last few days of his life, or the last couple of years, he had made a few bad turns. Uh, but they obviously recognized him as a good king. And part of recognizing him as a good king is they allow his son, Jehoshaphat, to actually take the throne. Uh, and they honor him as well, uh, which, is a, which is a pretty cool thing. We're still in a divided kingdom uh, scenario, so this is the kingdom of Judah. Uh, they're still at war uh, and at tension with Israel above them, uh, but we'll see, we'll see Jehoshaphat come uh, to, uh, to power here. Uh, and when Asa passed, he had been the king of Judah for 41 years, and it says for many people, if not most of the people, he had been the only king they had ever known. Stop and think about that a little bit, you know. Uh, so the people loved him, and they evidenced that by the honor they gave him in his death. Uh, and then uh, now we have Jehoshaphat come in as, as uh, his, his follower. Um, so one of the stories that's, uh, that's actually captured in, in your uh, learner's guide as well uh, in this Bible Meets Life segment, it's, uh, it's one of these uh, stories that's designed to encourage us and sort of help us understand how the lesson applies to a, to a modern life. And it's a story about a guy named Sir Nicholas Winton. Uh, and it said that in 1938, Hitler ordered his troops to march into Czechoslovakia. Word was spreading uh, that the Germans were mistreating Jews, and uh, Winton chose to do something. Even as he continued in his job as a stockbroker, Winton began, began raising money to fund the transport of Jewish children out of Nazi-occupied Czechoslovakia and Poland. Because of his efforts, 669 children escaped what would have been death in a prison camp. Vera Gissing, one of the children res rescued, 
pointed to his legacy. She said, Winton did far more than save one generation. Because he had saved the lives of these 669 children, he also ultimately saved the lives of their children and grandchildren. Talk about leaving a legacy. King Asa was another man who left a legacy. In his life, we see a man who impacted the generations that followed him. I think stories like that are, are very interesting. Uh, have you seen, I can't remember what the name of the movie is, but where the people were smuggling children out of Nazi-occupied territory? What's the name of that movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you come across these true stories where people are moved to to help others and have this lasting impact that re literally rewrite history uh, or or what history would have been. It's very interesting. Uh, so, if you could be known for something, what would it be? What's the one thing you'd like to be known for or remembered for? Or maybe we can start with something silly. How about an unusual achievement? How about an unusual, what's, what's, what's your thing? How, no matter how weird it is, what do you want to be known for? I'll, I'll start us off, and this will tell you just how strange and weird it could be. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved, uh, we bought a little trampoline, one of those little miniature trampolines, and I loved jumping rope. And I realized that I could jump rope on that trampoline almost in perpetuity, uh, and I actually tried to set a Guinness Book of World Record uh, for that. It, it's a crazy thing. But that was my thing. I really wanted to be known as the kid that could jump rope on trampoline. <laughs> All right, so now the ice is broken. The weird thing is out there. What is it for you? What do you want to be known for? Any of you have like a wicked backhand in ping pong or something? I mean, what is it? Nobody has anything you want to be known for? We're pretty uh, anonymous group. Wow. I think about, um, you know, some of those career choices, like let's say you want to be a Navy pilot. No one wants to just be a Navy pilot, right? They want to be the best Navy pilot. They make movies about this stuff, right? Top Gun, we all like that. I mean, you know. Is there something like that in your life where you want to be the absolute best at it? You want to be remembered for it? Or, or maybe not. Maybe this is just a dead set of questions I gave you. It's not, it's not doing the job. Just just, 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 in my job, the agent, that when the drug dealers hear the name, they get nervous. They're like, it's back. Because they know we're coming. That's right. And it's starting to work. <laughs> it's good. They call you Blackbeard. They call you Blackbeard. <laughs> Don't let that baby get gray, then. I would love to be remembered if I if I if I was this guy, the guy that whistled the part in the Gun, Guns N' Roses song, Patience. I, I, that would have been like my client thing. I love to whistle, and that that would have been one. Like, man, if I could have really been that guy. Whistling, that oh, it's a real guy. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be. I mean, don't crush my dreams. <laughs> I'm hoping they still call me for like, a, big, a big, big reunion. Oh, yeah, I do that too. Big reunion show. I mean, I, I would love to be invited for that. I think in all serious note, seriousness, though, one of the things we want to be remembered uh, is about our faith. 
right? And either those we either led to Christ uh, or just the, uh, the faith in our own family, uh, right? The holiness in our own household. Uh, those, are, those are things, hopefully, that we all want to be uh, remembered for. One of the optional activities for today's lesson, I don't know if you saw it in your book, uh, was for me to gather obituaries uh, from the newspaper or online and then for us to read those together uh, and to pull out things that we found interesting uh, in those. I thought that was really creepy and I refused to do it. Um, but there are generally two or three things in each obituary, according to this, that really stand out uh, that, that, and if you know, if you've been to a funeral recently, there's usually a part in the, the procession where either a funeral director or a pastor reads your obituary. And uh, we went to a funeral recently, and it was uh, for a 94-year-old woman, and, and they specifically said her legacy is the 13 grandchildren, the 26 great-grandchildren, you know, they just kept going on and on and on, uh, and how she had passed her faith to her family. And I thought, man, extraordinary, right? Um, but then there are some every now and then. Have you ever been to one of those funerals or read one of those obituaries? It sort of makes you sort of pucker a little bit or cringe, right? Have you ever read any of those? Those are, those are there too, right? And, and those are they're, they're reminders that this is how someone's being remembered. And that cringe moment is when we're realizing that we're hoping we're not remembered in that way, right? Uh, I don't want to be remembered as the dude that whistled Guns N' Roses or uh, attended the, you know, whatever, had this greatest party or whatever. Um, we want to be remembered for our faith. We want to be remembered for the legacy, those positive things. Um, so uh, we're not near old enough to do it yet, I don't think. But I hear when we get old, that that's, that's what we're actually looking for in the newspaper, if anybody even still gets the newspaper. You start with the obituaries, apparently if you're old, because you want to see uh, if anybody you know has died. Uh, and I remember my grandparents doing that. Does anybody else remember that? Every morning. Every morning, right? It's, and then they call each other, right? Oh, did you know, you know Blanche died? You know? My town was so small, it was 3,500 people, so everybody knew everybody's name, so it was, yeah. but you know that. <laughs> when somebody died, it, it was three or four towns, people were calling around. To, yeah. It's interesting, and it, it just makes us, makes us think, what will people say about you? What will people say about me? Um, so have you ever read a good tribute? Have you ever read a, a good obituary? I mean, have you ever read a good legacy? You ever thought about your own? Yeah. Read a few surprising ones. Yeah. People that I knew that had something, you know, particularly like military service that you know they never talked about. Didn't yeah. Know about. yeah. Interesting. I hope it's easy for somebody to write my. When you think about it, I mean, yeah. like my grandfather, it was easy to sit down and like write his, but I'm sure you have those moments where it's like, ooh, I don't really know what to write. Yeah. It's a kind of a troubling thing to think about. Like, I hope that it works out that I die first, you know, and that my kids have to figure out how to write an obituary about their dad. I hope that's the order of things. Um, but even that burden of leaving that with someone. Um, you ever see one of those that it's clear that the person wrote it for themselves? <laughs> 
right? It's just too perfect, right? Everything was awesome. Um, not, not so. Um, so we think about godly living. We, we just need to think about that it does impact a future generation uh, and that uh, the day we die doesn't, doesn't mean the legacy dies. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll carry on. I hope it's positive. Uh, so let's, let's open our Bibles to Second Chronicles 17. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And can someone read 1 through 6 for us? Jehoshaphat, his son, succeeded him as king and strengthened himself against Israel. He stationed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and put garrisons in Judah and in the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted, devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. Yeah, so there's a couple of key phrases captured in here that I, I found to be very interesting. How, how about you? Anything that stood out to you? They refer to his father as David. Yeah, right. So Ezra doesn't ascribe to him to be Asa's son. He says he's his father David, who's several generations prior. Um, but it actually, it's, it's, a, it's like he's given him an accommodation, right? He just put a medal on him. He just said, okay, you're, you're part of David's line of kings, meaning he was, he was that good. David, the guy that followed him, chased after God's own heart, right? Uh, that, that, was a, that was an important one for me. Uh, was there any other that stuck out for you? It's interesting to me that once again, he's removing the high places in Asher Bowl. So it's like what, the third time in the last yeah, four so chapters they've, they've gone and removed so his dad did it twice. Again, yeah. yeah, so his dad did it twice, and now they're back. Uh, we also hear reference to Baals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had always heard uh, the children of Israel uh, worshiping the God of Baal singular right now we're hearing bales plural which was interesting there's more than one bale uh, so there's Baal god of storms and then there's Baal god of fertility and the one we're normally hearing about is Baal of fertility uh, but now they've also got this god of storms thing going on uh, as well uh, that apparently Jehoshaphat is not recognizing uh, which is cool uh, I also found it interesting that uh, Ezra, uh, or whoever the chronicler is here, says that the Lord established the kingdom under Jehoshaphat's control, uh, so that clearly he's trying to demonstrate that God's with this king, uh, and he, he believes that, uh, which, which is pretty awesome. So clearly I think that Jehoshaphat is benefiting from a godly heritage set up by his dad, Asa. Um, have you ever benefited from the spiritual legacy of those that came before you? see some heads nodding so like in what way and maybe think about it this way are there benefits and challenges of growing up in a christian home advantages and perhaps disadvantages of growing up in a christian home how so Yeah. 
but getting grounded in it is the best thing. I mean, whether you stray when you get older, you still come back to it when you're, as you grow older, because your base was in this Christian home, not in somewhere else that didn't even believe in it. I know, like, as far as the legacy portion, that, like, like, my parents, when I was young, and my older, my siblings are about like 11 years older than me. They had like three separate families. But, but um, my parents didn't go to church and they weren't active in any way, you know, in their faith. Um, you know, it wasn't really something that you saw in and out in the daily home. My grandparents, it was completely different. And um, they, you know, set aside certain days of the week that they pray for each of us by name together. You know, they would get down on their knees and pray for every child and grandchild and, and God answered that prayer, you know, it, through them. And, and eventually my parents were, you know, saved and my father ended up preaching. You know, I mean, it was just like that. And then as far as the disadvantage, you know, growing up in a Christian home, I think that I've known a lot of kids you know, growing up when I was in school, his grandparents and parents, I mean, everybody went to church, and they just thought they were just Christians because it's just they all went to church. So I think that's a disadvantage there that you just tend to think you inherited it rather than owning it for yourself. Others? I was raised in, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's just different because, you know, my parents are Catholic, and we were raised in that atmosphere, but learn it's just confusing we just followed tradition it's just what the family did and they, they don't understand why they did it either because they, they still do it today yeah. so people always say well you started out in a christian faith i said no i didn't i when i asked questions they didn't have answers for me so uh, me coming back wasn't <laughs> we're gonna have to liven up our class and compete we got to play darts or volleyball in here or something a lot of it is social economics because when you look at a kid growing up in a Christian home and then you see everything else that's going on in the world like nowadays, they get confused. So uh, the house I grew up in, uh, I would say a Christian home, uh, definitely an advantage to that of being in church every Sunday. Uh, but I would also say there's a little bit of a disadvantage uh, because I think the, uh, the, the faith of my parents was actually pretty, pretty shallow, pretty weak. Uh, and I've got an older brother, seven years older than me, uh, that he's, he's not in the faith. He, he's, he claims to be a believer. He hasn't been to church in years, has no desire to do the, the things of God, the will of God. And I would say that that means he's outside the faith. So I, I think he actually has a disadvantage of growing up in a house with a bunch of Christian rules, but without a lot of Christian practice, without a lot of Christian faith, uh, which is very interesting, right? Any others? Advantages? Disadvantages? I, uh, I mean, the advantage, both my parents are, are Christians and were very involved and, you know, you know, some degree I always knew Christ and, and, and was brought up in that. And a disadvantage in one of my parents can be kind of difficult to live with. And, uh, I mean, I really got to a point where I was rebelling against the parent, but that was so tied with the church, I was rebelling against Christ because of trying to separate that apart because of how tied that was together. I think that's one of the probably most popular challenges that people growing up in a Christian home have, 
uh, is separating what is parental rule versus what God's saying in his scripture, uh, right? And then the other is this idea of inheriting the faith, right? If you were there, my grandma was a Christian, so and my parents were, so surely I must be, right? Uh, that, th- those are probably the two most common things uh, that, that I see. Well, clearly Jehoshaphat grew, grew up in a, in a home with a dad that followed uh, the Lord, uh, and he, he continues that. And like Scott mentioned, he's, he's continuing this idea of cleaning and cleansing the territory, uh, which is pretty cool. But he goes a bit further than his father went, and this is captured in verses 7 through 9. And this has some hard names. And I would just say, have fun with them, power through them, whoever's going to read this. Give it a shot. Also, in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, Sanhael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, Micah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, Shimei, Nethanai, Zebediah, say it the same way twice. Uh, there are some hard names in there, but uh, there are there are a few names that, that stick out a little bit that maybe we've heard before, uh, but maybe not. Um, you know, Zachariah, that sounds like one we've probably heard before and might hear from again uh, one day. Uh, but what's, he, what's going on here? Um, he's taking his council, his governing council, he's taking priests, and he's moving them out into the community, and they're out teaching God's word. Uh, they very likely have the Pentateuch, so the you know, five books attributed to Moses. Uh, they've probably got those. Uh, they've probably got some of the Psalms. Um, they may have uh, some works of Proverbs. Not a lot of that was written yet, but some of it was written down. Uh, and they're out teaching all of the communities the faith kind of a cool thing, right? So not only did he cleanse the false gods, he actually takes a a troop of guys that he trusts that are close to him, and he goes out and says, teach the community what it is we believe and why we believe it. Sounds like a heck of an idea. I like it. Um, So what responsibility do we have to share God's word and to teach God's word with those around us in our community? I would say we're doing part of that right now. But what else could we do? Anybody up for assembling a pack and just going door to door, teaching God's word? Sounds kind of crazy today, doesn't it? What if the government did it? If the government did that in the United States, people would turn inside out. They would flip out. Right? But what about in our house? I don't think my kids are going to forget it. I'd say we're kind of doing it every night with our son. She's reading stories to him. Right? We're praying together. Any other ways? What's our responsibility to share God's word? What's our responsibility to make sure that our kids don't think they just get to inherit the faith? Is it anybody else's responsibility? 
Well, we need to do more. I mean, that's just bottom line because you know, God's been taking out everything. So when we pass on, our kids have what we have to pass on to. So. Yeah. I think we need to do all we can. And Paul talked today that the strategy of the church has changed, right? There's worship, there's big session, there's small session here, and then there's smaller session D groups where you can really get into things. You don't have to use that formula. That's, that's just something the church is offering you. But I think the, the intent here is that we're supposed to be investing in God's word, and then we're supposed to be investing in other people and actually teaching it. We have a responsibility to do so. Uh, so what are some of those biblical principles that you hope to pass on to others? If you could just boil it down to help, hoping and helping someone to understand a few key truths, what are some of those biblical principles you really want the next generation to understand? Your kids, for example. You're not going to be able to teach them the entire word front and back. Make a valiant effort, but what are those few principles that you hope that they hear and learn and retain? Now, this is something that Joe says in the youth a lot, and he said it a few weeks ago when he preached that really, that God is for us and not against us. You know, because really, it's one of those things that if you apply to everything, every single thing, you know, whether it be that you're in a pit, whether it be that you're in sin, whether it be that you're in depression, whether it be that this thing came along that's horrible and doesn't feel good, if you always remember and go, he's for me and not against me, then your go-to place will be trust and not fear. Yeah. And you could take that simple truth and you could back it up with three scriptures and you could actually hand that to someone that's going through a trial, right? Or you could say with, our, with your kid, this week we're going to talk about God being for us and not against us. And you can have those verses stuck on the mirror in the bathroom and on the refrigerator. Right. Even with the rules, even with the, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Christian rules. Why did God give us rules? Because he was for us and not against us. And anytime he says no, it's because he's got a better yes. Good one. Are there others? Well, I think, um, you know, right now is if you have kids that are about ready to leave the house. I mean, we had Tanner leave the house two years ago. And and this is more Julie's credit than mine. I mean, she spent a lot of time trying to make sure he owned and knew why he was a Christian and how to deal with tough questions that the culture throws at you now, you know, sexuality stuff and all that stuff. And does he really own that answer and know what that is? Um, and trying to teach them to, to own it themselves. I mean, if they don't own it, then, then you're in trouble as, as they go out of your house. How to do that? I think some of that, you know, may change, and certainly it's different between your children on what, you know, maybe where they struggle more or not on, on those type of issues, and, and knowing them enough to know what to do there. Yeah. Good one. Any others? I just want to instill my kids that we just read and apply every day. That's our go-to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so God's love and make sure you know that no matter what you do, God will always love you. It doesn't matter how disobedient you are from time to time, you can still always go back to him and he won't love you and accept you. Awesome. Someone saw it yesterday, I was in the car with Ethan. There's
Mark Trader. I don't get many moments with him anymore. He's a daughter, you know. They think they got it all figured out and he was trapped. <laughs> <laughs> we were driving a long way and at, at one moment I just felt led to say to him, you know, of anything that I teach you in your life, you know, the most important thing from my perspective is that you believe in Jesus and that you know there was a Jesus. He actually was here. He died for us. He rose again. And, you know, a lot of people go through life with this concept that it is a blind faith. But there is so much evidence in our world. You just look around you, look at the human body and the way different parts of our body interact with one another. There is a design. And we just had a really sweet, you don't have many of these, but a sweet little moment there. But that one thing, man, is when I leave this earth, if I haven't done that, you Yeah. I think most of what we're talking about, they really fall into three categories. One is the acknowledgement of a creator God that controls not only this earth, but the universe around us and all things, all created things are, are from his hand. Uh, the second is, is that why, you know, why we believe what we believe, and that is that he sent a savior to die for us. And we need to understand why we believe that, uh, how God used Jesus as an atonement for sin and what that means for us in our position uh, in heaven. Uh, or, or in God's kingdom. Uh, and then thirdly, Christian living. Uh, and I started thinking about the works of Paul and, and all of the disciples. Those, those are really the categories I think they fall into. I think the Christian living is the easiest for us to talk about because it's New Testament stuff, it's behaviors, it's those types of, it feels like a rules kind of thing. They seem easier. The uh, salvation experience and why we believe, that's pretty deep. And then when you get into evidence of a creator God and, and that, I think, you know, young people especially struggle with that maybe a little bit more. Um, but those are the three categories, I think, of, of legacy that most of us are talking about, uh, which, is, which is interesting. Um, one of the things that you're asked to do later on your own time, you're going to do it here, but we have no time, uh, and that is to actually complete an activity that's on page 125 in your books, uh, and that is the spiritual legacy uh, uh, and then says, take a few moments, consider the spiritual legacy you would like to leave, answer the questions, and then write, scary here, last will and testament. Um, I'm not ready to do that. Um, and you guys can do it later, if you so, <laughs> if you so wish. Uh, but let's pick up in our reading here, and we'll kind of finish this out. I know it's about time to go. This is Second Chronicles 17, uh, verses 10 to 13. So, yeah. Someone read that for us and see what happens here uh, when uh, yeah, the teaching troop goes out, what happens to the area around uh, their kingdom of Judah. The fear of the Lord fell on all kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah, so that they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. Some Philistines brought Jehoshaphat's gifts and silver as tribute, and the Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful. He built forts and stores, store cities in Judah and had large supplies in the town of Judah. Town of Judah. He also kept experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. Yeah, very, very interesting here that the kingdoms around Judah, uh, out of fear, um, actually start to bring gifts and, and recognize uh, Jehoshaphat and the kingdom of Judah 
Uh, why would they do that? Who are these people? It says that one of them is, uh, so Philistines. We know who the Philistines are, right? Uh, who, who routed them? God did. Who was, uh, who was in charge then? Saul, and then who, who actually destroyed them? David. Yeah. Uh, remember uh, the Philistine? Takes a rock in the head. Um, so, and then what about these Arabs that they're talking about that are bringing all the rams? Who are those people? Who conquered them? These are the Cushites. Uh, and Jehoshaphat's dad conquered them and plundered them and took all their stuff back, right? Um, and now they're, they're bringing even more stuff and <laughs> saying, hey, we're, we're cool, right? Peace. Uh, we're, we're all good. Um, and it says that uh, you know, Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful and he built up these store cities uh, all over Judah. Uh, and what they actually enjoy, they, they enjoy a very good, peaceful time uh, in the reign of Jehoshaphat. Some trouble comes later, but they get about 25 years of peace uh, with their neighbors, uh, which, which is very interesting. And uh, so there are some rewards of studying God's word. Uh, there's an impact to, um, to teaching those around us. Um, and then maybe just a reminder, let's be thinking about the kind of spiritual legacy we want to leave to the next generation. Uh, the book here wanted to go into a section we don't really have time for, and it's around being an influencer, and I'll just read a couple of these truths. Influencers have a genuine love for others, uh, and this is the idea that maybe you're not a leader, but you're, everyone has influence. Influencers constantly look for ways to encourage others. Influencers are willing to give of their time to others, and then influencers are people of integrity. Um, so what are some of the rewards you've seen? from studying God's word. Are there rewards for li living a godly life, studying God's word? Peace. Peace. I think that's the greatest one, right? I think when you read his word and it's actually revealed to you what his plan is, you can have some peace in that. Even if it's a really miserable human experience, you can still have peace and understanding these truths we've talked about a minute ago. Are there any other rewards for reading and knowing God's word? Yeah, uh, sword. Yeah, what? A sword. Oh, yeah. 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 Defense. Yeah, you have some defense against the enemy. Hope. Hope. I think one of the most interesting ones is you might be the person with answers. Right? That can be a reward for others that come to you with questions. You may actually know the answer. You may know where to find the answer in the scripture. Uh, the reminder is there, there are rewards uh, for, for that. So as we, as we go, I want you to think about these things this week. I uh, would we'll ask you to pray each day that God give us opportunities to be a godly influence on those that we encounter. And then if you have someone in your life that modeled a godly life before you in such a way that it impacted your faith, uh, it's, it's a request to contact that person. Say thank you. Encourage them. Uh, they're, they're probably still, still at, at work. Um, encourage them. Build them up. Uh, and then invest. Uh, think about two or three people that you can encourage or influence and then consider ways that you can teach God's word to them. Um, we'll kind of wrap it up there. Any questions? Comments? This completes this book. We're in a new book starting next week.
and they're over here on the table. Questions? No? Okay. I'll pray and I'll wrap this up. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here in your name uh, and in your house. And uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, you control this universe. You're our designer. You're our creator, God, and you care for us and walk with us. And Lord, we just thank you for this, uh, this example uh, in Jehoshaphat. And Lord, we ask that you would take these words and that you would just write them all over our hearts and minds this week and that you would help us to revisit them uh, and then to take action. Lord, actually put a few actions in place, whether it's thanking someone that, uh, that helped us in the faith or teaching one that would follow us. And Lord, we pray that we just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide us in every step and give us the words to say. And Lord, we just uh, we thank you for your love. And Lord, I thank you for each one represented here in each family and I ask for your blessings on their household, blessings of peace and prosperity, uh, and Lord, just the, the knowledge of you. Uh, Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good to see y'all.